Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person or child. Your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Christy Gaynell. Welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good evening, Christy, as we are doing our Thursday night show. If you listen, if you are tuning in on Saturday morning, um, this is a pre-recorded show for anybody that tunes in uh, this Saturday morning, but it is live on the app for Thursday night for anybody that is catching that special show with us. But if you will, Christy, say hello to all the truth seekers out there uh, listening in for with us this evening and those that will be tuned in on Saturday morning with us. Hello, truth seekers. Welcome to the show. Well, we are pleased to have a, an amazing guest in for today's show. I'm on the cusp of the Beyonce con- controversy, which we had that discussion last week. So we wanted to go ahead and get to the bottom of, of, the, of the group that she played tribute to, the Black Panthers, in today's discussion question, Black Panthers, Freedom Fighters or Radical Hate Group? So we always try to deal with things from both sides of the issue. And this this evening, I should say, um, again, if you are tuned in on Saturday morning, this was a pre-recorded show. So if anybody out there listening this evening, you will be able to get in on tonight's discussion. Um, but we are absolutely pleased to bring on special guest, original, an original Black Panther, Mr. Larry Pigney. Um, thanks for coming on this evening with us, this brother, and and I, I can't tell you uh, how honored we are to have you, um, not only myself and Christy, um, this evening, but um, our, our entire audience. I think we, I know for a fact, just from pe- speaking with you, that we are in for a treat um, this evening, and I want to thank you for taking out the time in your schedule to be with us on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But if you will, brother, introduce yourself to the truth seekers out there that are listening and give whatever background you know you want. Again, you are an original Black Panther, but I'll let you go a little deeper than, than what I just said. And th- again, thanks for coming on. Well, my brother, first and foremost, and my sister, first and foremost, and 
to the audience, the listening audience. I have to say all power to the people, all power to the people, which was a very important uh, political slogan of the original Black Panther Party. Uh, yes, uh, I am, I'm honored to, to be a part of uh, your show tonight. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, the reality, well, my background is really quite simple. I don't want to talk really much about me, but, yes, I'm an, I am a veteran of the Black Panther Party. I'm former Minister of Interior of the Republic of New Africa. Uh, I am the only, quote, unquote, American uh, who successfully self-authored, I repeat, self-authored, i.e., no lawyers, uh, my civil, political, and human rights case to the United Nations, uh, um, and, and, you know, that, that I, I guess that's really it in the nutshell. I've had the honor, I do have the honor of being in the archives of Dr. Huey P. Newton, co-founder of the Black Panther Party. Those archives can be found at Stanford University, California, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm going to just stop it right there because let's get on down. Let's take care of business tonight. Thank you. Uh, my brother and my sister, thank you for having me on your show, on the program. Hey, well, again, we are honored to have you, and thank you uh, first and foremost. Um, but, um, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, obviously um, the Black Panther Party has been brought into light here of recent times, you know, considering that we are uh, on the 50th anniversary of the founding of the Black Panther Panther Party, so what better time, in a sense, to to remind each of us, in a sense, um, that sincere history um, that, you know, myself, you and I, Larry, we talked, obviously, for a while when I actually reached out and said, could you be on the show? You know, that's, that, that conversation turned into uh, over an hour-long conversation. We said a lot in it. Um, but I was thinking about it, and I was sharing with a friend today, um, in all reality, um, just because we are, unfortunately, to a certain extent, um, as well as we want to honor that 50-year anniversary, per se, of the founding of the Black Panther Party, the reality is that 50 years later, um, I don't. the average person, per se, knows enough about it, and that's just any American for that matter, but um, even specifically in the African-American community, you know, who we should know more than what we know. And what I offer to a friend today, um, just to, in a sense, as we attack today's discussion, Black Panthers, Freedom Fighters, or a radical hate group, we know there's a lot of misinformation out there. But what I offer to a friend today, that, the, in my opinion, and I think people out there listening um, might could attest to this, and we will allow you to get in on tonight's discussion and get in with uh, Mr. Larry Pinkney to, this evening to get in on this discussion. But my, my thinking is... Um, the, the idea that most people have of the Black Panthers is really very simple. When, and when I and, and talking about what we know, going, I mean, growing up in the South. So, you know, maybe in Oakland, maybe in New York, where, you know, obviously you were in 68 cities um, and, and you reached your height and you reached your zenith with the, with the organization. Um, but with that said, I don't know outside of the South what's being taught. But my, my inclination for the average person is simply this, that they've seen, they've seen imagery, uh, whether it be through some, uh, you know, um, some pe some imagery pictures on the internet, or maybe even some videos, so they've seen the the, the prominent pictures of the Panthers in their berets, and maybe even holding the, you know their, their their guns in public and things of that nature. So people have seen pictures, and have been simply told that you were the antithesis of Martin Luther King coming out of 
the the civil rights movement and in a sense were leading in a sense the black power movement. And I say that to say that I believe for the most part that's most Americans full insight on who the Black Panthers were. Not much more than that if you didn't choose to find out on your own because the schools are not going to tell the correct story. Uh, I know you would absolutely say that, um, you know, Larry, yourself, but I just wanted to offer that that's the gist of what I would say the average American knows about the Black Panthers. And before I go to you, Larry, Christy, what do you think of those thoughts? When you think of the Black Panthers, uh, you know, when I reached out and said, look, you know, do some research, we're going to do this show, um, you know, you, you know, kind of were in that boat as well. Would you say I've given a fair assessment of what people my age and younger know about the Black Panthers? Would you think? And I'm, you know, I'm in my early 40s, just to kind of, you know, with, with, uh, no secret for me, but generally speaking, for people my generation and back, that's all we know. What do you think of that, Christy, before we talk to, you know, Larry about that true history? I, I do agree that the vast majority, I think, of Americans are severely undereducated when it comes to things like the Black Panther Party. Um, it's, it's interesting, even in light of Black History Month, we still have very little knowledge of a lot of our Black history. And there are, of course, exceptions to the rule that we know that there are some who choose to educate themselves and some who've been more greatly educated through um, colleges and universities if they go to, like, HBCUs or whatever. But in general, yeah, I think we're very, very undereducated about these things. And so that's something that we we shouldn't be proud of as a community, um, but we're going to do the best we can in the next couple of hours, and we're going to go to a short break, and when we come back, we're going to get heavy uh, with Mr. Larry Pink. Pickney, an original Black Panther here with us this morning to discuss Black Panthers, Freedom Fighters, or a Radical Hate Group. Listen close to the clips. You're going to hear some words that's going to start that education for you um, as we play a quick cut for our sponsors as well. We'll be right back and listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. Uh, with no education, the people that take this local foundation and start stealing money because they won't be really educated to why it's the people thing anyway. You know what I'm saying? With no education, you have neo-colonialism instead of colonialism, like you got in uh, Africa 9, like you got in uh, in, uh, in uh, Haiti. So what we're talking about is there has to be uh, education in the program. That's very important. As a matter of fact, we're so important for us that a person has to go through six weeks of our political education before he can consider himself a member of the party, able to even run down ideology for the party. Why? Because if they don't have an education, then they know where. You dig what I'm saying? They know where because they don't even know why they're doing what they're doing. You, you might get people caught up in the emotionless movement. Uh, you understand me? You might be get them caught up in because they're poor and they want something. And then if they're not educated, they want more. And before you know it, they'll be capitalists. And before you know it, we'll have Negro imperialists. I get my hair cut at executive. 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 Executive cut. Come to executive cut where everyone's welcome. The service that I get here is the best around Cobb County. I think everyone should come. Comfortable environment, treat you real good, good service, and you get what you want with your hair. That's the best cut I've ever had since I've been here in Atlanta and Cobb County, so I never go anywhere else. Whether you got braids, dreads, got fades, or bald heads, come to Executive Cuts. The best one. Executive Cuts, located on Cobb Parkway, just south of Dobbins. Why do I have a lot of risk because of harassment? Why is that harassment? Because the people that harass me have set up a problem that made me disagree with them violently. And, and they, they set up this problem 
in order to exploit me and other people like me. And why they want to get rid of me because I'm saying something that might wake up some other exploited people and some other oppressed people. And if all these people ever get together, then these pigs that are exploiting us, we'll be able to run them into the lake. That's why they want to get rid of us. And it's just, uh, it's sort of like a primary thing with me. I'm the, I'm the first move that they'll make. I'm a part of an organization who will be the first organization they'll move on because I happen to be a part of an organization, the Black Panther Party, that is the only organization, in fact, that has came out and stood up loud and clear saying that we don't care what anybody says, whether they have guns or not and badges or 18 uniforms, if whatever they step outside the bounds of legality into the bounds of illegality, then we'll blow their brains out if they're bothering the people. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Today's discussion question, Black Panthers, Freedom Fighters, or Radical Hate Group, and we are absolutely pleased to have in special guest, original Black Panther, Larry Pickney. As you just heard, a couple of clips from famed martyr, lost Black Panther, lost revolutionary, You have to. Fred Hampton, if you don't know his story, please look it up on YouTube. Plenty of cuts. We're going to play plenty of from him this evening. But, Larry, we'll start with you. Um, as we just heard, um, a couple things as you when you and I spoke, you said the education was most important for bringing people into the Black Panther Party. When we asked this question, asked the question of freedom fighters or a radical hate group, uh, there's a lot of things that we – Clearly, and you know, obviously, you being an original member, know that was understood. And we just heard Fred Hampton talking about how important education was, even just to be a part of the Black Panther. So, if you could just, if you will, speak to for anybody out there not understanding who, in a sense, you were allowing into the party, because you said something to me the other the other day talking about you didn't want just, in a sense, gun ho ready to shoot people. Uh, even though people may make that assumption, uh, I'll let you speak to that and obviously speak about that brother, Fred Hampton, as well, brother. Well, thank you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my sister. The bottom line is, uh, let's remember, the Black Panther Party considered ourselves as Malcolmites, as in Malcolm X. Why did we call ourselves Malcolmites? Because Malcolm evolved. He grew from being a mere uh, cultural uh, black nationalist to being an internationalist uh, in favor of the struggle of freedom, justice, liberty, etc. And I'm talking about real freedom, justice, uh, and, and 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 liberty. Uh, he grew from being a mere cultural black nationalist to being an internationalist, understanding that throughout Mother Earth. The struggle is for all of us: black, white, brown, red, and yellow. Now, Brother Malcolm said. And I repeat, I'm going to quote it. He said, of all our studies, of all our studies, history is best qualified to reward all research, end of quote. That was Brother Malcolm. And, you know, we have to understand that if we do not know our history, we do not know ourselves individually or collectively. Now, with respect to the Black Panther Party, and I'm honored, delighted, and pleased uh, be, beyond all words uh, that you you played clips of uh, Brother Fred Hampton. Uh, Brother Fred uh, was a martyr uh, in, in the struggle, in the ongoing struggle. Struggle didn't end. It's going on, even more so today perhaps than ever before. But, you know, as Brother Fred also said, he said, you know what, 
You can kill the revolutionary, but you can never kill the revolution. In other words, that's what we meant in the Black Panther Party when we said all power to the people. All power to the people. Black, white, brown, red, and yellow people. But, you know, we have to understand that what is what is past today, whether the Democratic, Republican, well, I don't give a rat's petunia about that, but what they pass for education is not education. Know your history, as Brother Malcolm said. Know your history. We need to know our history. You know, think about Carter G. Woodson. Y'all know about Carter G. Woodson? I'm sure you do, because I know you got an intelligent audience out there. All right? Carter G. Woodson wrote a book called The Miseducation of the Negro. The Miseducation of the Negro. All right? So we are not only uneducated, but those of us, many of us, who think we are educated have been miseducated. And so, therefore, we serve, uh, as Huey P. Newton said, we serve the policies, uh, Huey P. Newton being co-founder of the original Black Panther Party founded in Oakland, California, in October of 1966. As Brother Huey, I should say Dr. Huey P. Newton, because he did get his Ph.D. from the University of California, Santa Cruz, in history. Anyway, as Brother Huey would say, you know, the reality is that all of us, all of us have got to understand our history and link that history to what is going on today, what happened yesterday, and what may happen in the future. As we would say in the party, Sit down, study, educate yourself, prepare for the coming conflicts, all right? And, you know, people want to put everything in black and white. But uh, you know what, brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers, everything is not in black and white. There are many shades of gray in between, which is why I always refer to my sisters and brothers as black, white, brown, red, and yellow. I want to include all the shades I possibly can, because if we're not in this struggle together, we're going to lose. And as Brother Malcolm X said, the revolution does not exist in a vacuum. But black people in particular, that is to say uh, so-called African Americans, I'll say, I'll explain later why I say so-called, but black Americans uh, have to understand that if we do not relate to our history, we cannot possibly, we cannot possibly relate to the present and certainly not the future. So again, I'm going to shut up right now, my brother. I, 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 I hope I began in such a way that was logical and that Absolutely. Sense. Now, I know I, I love your passion. Um, um, it is very necessary. Um, and Christy will tell you, uh, with the Men of Dialogue community, I'm constantly advocating um, that parents of today make sure that at a minimum, that they're at a minimum subsidizing their children's education because they're not going to get the, their, 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 their truth in the education system that we see today. We're, we're, we practically just had a discussion with um, Dr. K um, 
Kelly Carter Jackson last Saturday, who is an assistant history professor, um, been at Harvard, and now she's at Hunter College up in Cooney, and we were just talking about how they're still removing, in a sense, things that have happened in this country alone. Now, of course, we know our history goes well before we came to this country, and that's the history that we should look for, look towards as well. But I think we don't understand, and I, and that's why I, I appreciate your passion because I don't know that we really understand how important it is for your children to see themselves so that they know that they came from something. And that subconsciously plays a role. It inputs pride into our children so that they realize, you know, that not only can they see that they can do something, but they realize that they have an obligation and they owe. Um, but if I can circle this thing back um, just a little bit, um, when I even listen to that clip, um, if you will, um, can you even talk to me, you know, you know, knowing that you were there, you know, you knew Bobby Seals, knew, knew that you knew um, Dr. Hood um, P. Newton, um, you know, talk about, if you will, just your intro, if you can even recall what that was like, um, you know, when you were telling me about, you know, we just heard Fred Hampton talking about, the, you know, they, it's, you know, it's six months of education before you, they let you speak for the party. If you could just even tell me, you know, what, what that part was about, because as I listened to you, you say power to the people, and, he, and you talked about all shades of people. And so when now when people are characterizing the Black Panther Party as some type of hate group and uh, or, or because they only know the history that I talked about before the break, and to hear you speak like this, were, were you speaking like that back then? Back then, I've seen the clips, and I I I I know so. But to hear you say it now, I I would assume this is the way you talked when y'all were first found this thing. But if you will, just give us a a little insight into you know you where you kind of where you were at when you considered and thought about actually joining. If you can even recall what that was like and what made you actually do it, um, Larry. I would love to hear that. Well, I'm going to share that with with you right now, uh, my brother and my sister and the, your wonderful audience. Let me just say, what motivated me to join the Black Panther Party? I mean, what really motivated me to join the Black Panther Party? You know, I'm going to say like uh, 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 Sister Fannie Lou Hamer said, what motivated me, frankly, uh, was I was tired of being tired. You know, <laughs> I was 17 years old. And and I was at that time I was in Southern California and then later went up uh also with the party in Northern California, in Oakland of course. Uh and uh, back in sixty seven I had the honor, privilege and opportunity uh to actually go and see and hear, you know, uh members of, of the party speak. You know, Bobby was there Bobby Seal was there uh, uh, a, a number of other people, uh, especially from the Southern California chapter, were also speaking. Uh, Kwame Kiwe, who some people know as Stokely Carmichael, was there. Brother H. Rap Brown, Jamil Al-Amin, as he's known today. Okay, we're all there. And I'm, I'm like, I dig it, and I'm 17. I'm going, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you had no but, choice to be around all of them at the same time. You didn't have a choice, did you? I, that's right, brother. I'm going, oh, my God. I'm not crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> and and, and I'm, I'm looking at uh, uh, a bunch of young people. I call them young, but it's really funny that I call them young because they were my age. I was young. You dig? Right. And I'm seeing the Black Panther Party standing up in front of these brothers and, and, and all over the auditorium and, and discipline. They weren't shucking and jiving. Their pants weren't hanging down off their butts. 
They were <laughs> beautiful brothers and sisters, standing tall, proud, and disciplined. All right? So I said, oh, my God, I got to check this out. What is this about? Right. So after I listened, this is this took for, I'd say, two and a half, three hours of the presentation, presentations from various uh, uh, brothers and sisters. So, wow, I'm leaving, and I'm, like, walking on air, literally. I mean, like, whoa, Lord. I'm well, metaphorically, of course, but it's like I felt like I was on a cloud. Remember that Temptation song, Cloud Nine? So I'm going, whoo! This is amazing. So I get up, I get on the L.A. Transit bus, right? And I, because I was working, I was a high school senior, and I was working, you know, my butt off. You you know, contrary to popular opinion, we worked, okay, to survive. (laughs) And at 17, as a senior in high school, I was working. Uh, all right, but I, anyway, I leave the, the presentation, I'm in awe, I get on the bus, and I notice two uh, Black Panthers get on the bus. This was before I joined the party, obviously. Mm-hmm. They were, in, you know, in black, on black, all about black, and all about the people. I went, mm, 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 tell you right. And they got on, they were disciplined, they were courteous, they were cordial, mm-hmm. but they weren't standing for no stuff, you dig? And, and, mm-hmm. uh... They got on the bus, paid their fare, uh, went, you know, went further in, into the bus, like middle way or halfway back or whatever. And I'm sitting up there, hmm, saying, yeah, I'm thinking about, wow, this is this is amazing. What happened? What happened? The bus driver, L.A. Transit, L.A. City, City Transit, I was going to say Philly Transit. That would have probably been just as accurate. But anyway, uh, L.A. <laughs> City Transit, he pulls the bus over gets on his little radio and calls the police. I'm watching this. Everybody on the bus is watching this. Oh, what? The police are there in a New York minute, you dig? Mm, and uh-huh. they get on the bus, guns drawn, 357 Magnums, and they oh, walk in and walk. They walk right back and they grab the two young Panther brothers by their throats, guns up, I'm going, holy police. I jump up like a fool. Well, not really like a fool, but like a passionate individual. What are you doing? What are you doing? Next thing I know, there's a gun at my head. They're oh dragging me off the bus. All right? Bam. Next thing I know, I'm in the squad car with, <laughs> with my soon-to-be comrade Panther Brothers, right? Oh my goodness! Hey, hey, that's a that's another version of being jumped in, ain't they? When they, they called it with the games back then, you got, you got jumped in in a whole other way, brother. <laughs> oh my goodness! That was my education in terms of what you know. I probably would have joined the party maybe two days a week later, whatever. But now it ended up that I joined the party that day. Okay? Wow! Because. Uh, 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 who was it who said it? I believe it was uh, Kwame Ture who said the system will make you black, <laughs> whether you like it or not. <laughs> and, and and it's like whoa. So that was my introduction uh, uh, to wow. the party. Yes, I, you know I'd read party papers and I I studied. You know I came from a poor mm-hmm. family. Both of my parents were school teachers, but we were poor. But I read, 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 like Malcolm say, study, study, study. So anyway, mm-hmm. I, I hope I answered your question. 
No, yeah, absolutely. I was that was more than what I could ask for, especially with an introduction like that. Uh, man, that's that's amazing, man. And and let's 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 speak to again. Uh, your introduction was obviously probably quite. Di- I don't know if any other Panther could tell that story as far as their first day because there's a lot of brothers that as I went to jail, which I might not want to hang around with you no more. <laughs> so, so, so you'd have got me put off in jail. All I did was try to ride home. You know what I mean? So so I have to you know like so your introduction was quite different, brother. Uh, but what I want to speak to, and we heard a little bit of this on the clip. And this is obviously yeah. probably why you got a bus driver even deciding to call immediately. Like I said, all these yeah. brothers are doing, they pay their fare, they're standing, and they're riding because you like anybody else. But they call the police immediately, and the police come in with their guns drawn. And so yeah. um, clearly, um, you know, what you young brothers was doing at that time was clearly not something that was acceptable because they're saying you can't even ride the bus, you know, just to get to where you want to go. And and we heard right. um, even in, in the clip um, in the previous clip we heard Fred have to speak to the concept of the pigs, which is you know obviously with you know for my you know for my studies we, you know was how y'all constantly refer in a sense to um, law enforcement per se. And you heard Fred have to saying if you mess with the people, no matter if you have on a uniform or badge, we gonna do something about it. And so clearly I was doing some things very radical at the time. And if you could just give me a, a just a, 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 a what, what do you think made them call immediately? What had been done? You you get introduced, like you say, you were in the room with all these amazing brothers. Um, the first time you get a chance to hear them speak, but as soon as you get on the bus with these two brothers, that the police is called. So uh, had you heard anything that had been done to already start getting this type of harassment? If you could just give me a, a, a quick thought to what led to that call, if you even have any idea, just that night, because we've got to go to another break, and when we come back, we'll get deeper into that. Okay, okay. You can I reply right now, or should I wait? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me if you can give me just a quick. Yeah, what you know? What had you heard? What was going on for them to already be receiving this type of harassment? And they, I mean, you're talking. If I if I'm recalling correctly, this is in '66 or '60. What is this about '66 or '67 that we're talking about? 67, 68, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah so yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, so you you know, that's they're early. So what what's going on that they're already calling the cops and harassing the Panthers like that already? What, what, what's been happening up until this point for something like that to be your introduction into the Panthers, if I could ask, brother? <laughs> well, the party, the party in uh, Southern California in 67 was essentially just beginning. The party, of mm-hmm. course, as I mentioned before, was founded in Oakland, Northern California, in 66. And and, okay. and grew rapidly, but but I I think what prompted uh, this 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 person, this bus driver who happened to be white, called the police on his little chump radio uh, on on the bus, was that he probably for the first time in his life saw two uh, uh, well-groomed, intelligent, proud, cordial young black men, and of course they had, you know, the free Huey buttons and the Black Panther Party buttons on, but they that's what impressed me. Okay, I come from, you know, like I told you, my parents were school teachers. I come from a family mm-hmm. that said, show me, 
you know. Okay. And I think now that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, so, so it sounds like to me he was just scared. That would sound like you know basically he was just scared. But what we're gonna do is we're yeah. gonna go to a break. We're gonna go to a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna get a a little deeper into so the ideology of the of the time and and this idea of uh, where you know where this radical hate group concept comes from. Because again, based on what we're hearing now, that that doesn't sound like a fair label whatsoever. But again, we will address that as well. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. has created a brave new world and most businesses, small and large, are taking full advantage of online marketing. False. Most businesses fail miserably at online marketing, often spending hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars before settling on a small internet imprint. Avoid this marketing black hole. We recommend you call the experts at Digital Marketing Advisors for a comprehensive online marketing strategy guaranteed to increase the bottom line. Bottom line. With years of online marketing experience for major corporations, the experts at Digital Marketing Advisors can take your business to the next level. For superior results, call 1-855-WEB-WORK. That's 855-932-9675. Mention you heard this ad on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show to receive a discounted rate on your first hour of consultation. You won't be disappointed. In Chicago and in other cities, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover expanded surveillance of organizations in the black community, especially the Black Panther Party. Directives issued by FBI headquarters a few weeks after the elections called for, quote, imaginative and hard-hitting counterintelligence measures aimed at crippling the Black Panther Party, unquote. On Chicago's west side, the Panthers had just opened their first office in Illinois. Well, the thing that I really loved about the Black Panthers is that they refused to be ignored. Uh, it was very easy to ignore black people back then because everybody figured, well, it's just a lot of talk, and they're not going to do anything. They'll just uh, go on and on and on, moaning and groaning about how terrible everything is, and they, of course, uh, at the best, they just might get involved in some acts of nonviolence. But that's about it, and they just kind of, you know, business as usual. You couldn't have business as usual with the Black Panthers. The Black Panthers were definitely going to be Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with my co-host, Christy Gaynell. And we are pleased to have in special guest, original Black Panther, Larry Pickney, as we discuss Black Panthers, Freedom Fighters, or Radical Hate Group. And Christy, I wanted to let you get in um, this evening with um, Larry, um, Mr. Pickney here, um, as we Obviously, digging into how the Panthers were looked at, and it was—I thought it was a very interesting uh, uh, jump in, as I call it, um, to the Black Panthers for for Mr. Pigney here. Um, but I know you probably had some thoughts as well, and I wanted you to kind of jump in and uh, you know, either ask a question or make a statement. Well, it sounds like, especially based on the clip, that they were viewed by the federal government as a terrorist organization. 
But from his perspective, it also kind of sounds like they were more like uh, like what white people call a militia, where, you know, they take matters into their own hands when the police are being um, unnecessarily harmful to the community or taking uh, liberties with people's lives and their rights. So it's, it, it, I feel like, from what I'm hearing, it it played an important role in helping to protect a lot of the people in our community, but it also seems like it created a lot of backlash. So I want to know, um, from your experience at that time, do you feel like it it did more to help the community or more to harm them with the backlash that they received from police? Um, and their desire to be more brutal, kind of to prove a point. Well, to, to, to try and answer your question succinctly, sister, and first of all, thank you so much. Uh, the reality is, as Brother Huey P. Newton said, uh, you know, if you are under attack, you have a choice. You can cower like a dog and be swept out like a dog, or you can stand up like a human being. If we're going to die, let's die like humans. Let's choose not to die, but if we must die, let us die like humans. As he said, you know, the death of a revolutionary uh, is is tremendous. Not that we want our brothers and sisters to die. It's but a feather in the wind, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But my point is, to answer your question directly, absolutely it was imperative that the Black Panther Party that the Black Panther Party uh, demonstrate to our communities, and by the way, not just the black communities, but the white, brown, red, and yellow communities, because many organizations after that were patterned after the Black Panther Party, from the American Indian Movement to the White Panther Party to SDS, I can go on and on. But the point is that it made or we tried to set an example to poor people and black people in particular. Had we not done that, had we not done that, and we made incredible sacrifices, so many brothers and sisters were murdered, framed, and set up. But had we not done that, where would we be today? And now, that's not to say today is better in terms of economically, socially, and politically but would we even be alive today? Okay? Let's let's be honest. Let's be honest. And, uh, you know, because there were organizations before the Black Panther Party, for example, uh, that predated the party. For example, the Deacons for Self-Defense in the Deep South. The Deacons for Self-Defense. Okay? And and so we, we paid homage and gave respect to those brothers and sisters, all right? Uh, but we knew that we had to pick up the mantle, if you will, like you, you know, like in track and track and field. You pass that baton on. We knew it was time for us to accept that baton. Had we not done that, as horrible as our situation is today in 2016, think about this. It would be much, much worse. That's my uh, succinct if it is indeed succinct, reply to you, my sister Chris. Well, what about now? Go ahead, Chris. Please, go ahead. Please, absolutely. Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, what about, I mean, now, because I know, like, um, it's the 
50th anniversary of the Black Panther Party, but we haven't really seen a lot of um, activity from them or from any, well, there's the Black Lives Matter movement, but do you think that it's their time now to pick up the baton? Do you think that's what they're doing, or do you think somebody still needs to step up and do that? I think that uh, we all need to step up and do that. Personally, I frankly believe that whether you want to call it Black Lives Matter or whatever, my bottom line is I believe in the struggle, the revolutionary struggle of all oppressed people, period. And, and you know, uh, all of us in, in the year 2016 and beyond have got to accept that responsibility. The Black Panther Party was decimated, literally and physically decimated. I myself was a target of COINTELPRO, spent uh, 10 years in prison. There have been brothers and sisters who've been in prison for way more than that. You think? And and so my point is that the party played, the Black Panther Party played a significant, extremely significant role in our ongoing struggle, in history and our ongoing struggle. However, having said that, it is time for us to be creative, to come up with even additional ways and means to carry this struggle on. I'm not going to uh, uh, um, endorse any particular or singular, I should say, uh, organization. What I will endorse is a movement that engages, excites uh, all of our people, black people, white people, brown people, red people, yellow people. But let's begin in our own community in our black communities, and let's understand that while history serves as a signpost, we take those signposts and we move beyond them. And with all due respect to my brothers and sisters of the party, and to myself for that matter, I'd say it is time to be creative and move on. You know, it ain't about no new Black Panther Party. No, no, no. It's about a continuation of the struggle and being creative, operative word creative. So I don't know. I hope I, I hope I'm making some semblance of sense, mm-hmm. Christy. No, no, I absolutely respect where you're coming from, uh, Brother Larry. Now, um, if we will, just to dig into the history again, because, again, I don't know that enough people understand your history, and these are the things that I've come to know, and, of course, you'll be in a position to clarify them for me, you know, or whatever. But, again, with the, with the COINTEL Pro, you know, that's a lot of the information that's left out there. Um, again, um, I offered at the very beginning the limited information that many of people from my generation have. Um, but, unfortunately, um, as you said, Cointel Pro uh, played a huge role in decimating the party. Um, again, you know, you, you yourself having been a political prisoner yourself, um, and, and, and plenty of Panthers haven't been through that. If not, even you know, plenty of you know, killed and murdered even by the at the hands of the police and things of that nature. Um, but Cointel Pro did a great job of, of, you know, in a sense, when we asked that question, freedom fighters or radical hate group, um, you know, at one point, Jazz Hoover considered you the preeminent threat to. American society. Now, if you go, but we're, we're in a situation now where we can look back on that and know that was absolutely exaggerated to a certain extent. Um, but again, um, you guys, again, 
you know, were started out, this is what you were known for initially. Clearly, that law got changed, but, you know, y'all were taking advantage of the open carry that we see people gladly do now. So y'all were taking advantage of it in, in California specifically when it was allowed. Um, and for what I understand, y'all, you know, Panthers doing it themselves is why the, the law changed, per se. Um, but even after, even after that point, with the things that you were talking about, um, you all you guys were talking a lot of self reliance, and so that's what endeared you to the people per se. But I can only mm-hmm. imagine coming out coming after the civil rights movement and this conceptual this conception of you guys saying no, we're going to defend ourselves. And when you juxtapose that against the nonviolent civil rights movement that Martin Luther King led, uh, what was that like in trying to, in a sense? Recruit people, and especially when it when you began to get targeted, did it become more difficult to recruit? Um, how how how? If I can ask, you know, maybe just what was that like once the police literally started targeting the Black Panther Party? Well, you know, on April fourth, nineteen sixty-eight, and I remember it very well because I was in the party then. I was I had not yet graduated. I had two more months to graduate from high school in L.A. before I went up to Oakland. And I remember when Dr. King uh, was assassinated. And this may come as a surprise to some in the audience, but uh, most of the members of the Black Panther Party that I knew in the party loved Dr. King. We didn't necessarily agree. There's a difference between loving and respecting and agreeing, okay? Uh, we We did not necessarily agree, we did not generally agree with, you know, you can get hit, hit over the head with a ketchup bottle sprayed with water hoses, being, you know, get, let yourself be attacked uh, by, by German shepherd dogs, right? We didn't agree with that. Our philosophy was very simple. As Brother Malcolm said, be respectful. You know, treat your fellow man, your fellow woman with respect, but if they move on you, put them in their grave. And that was that was what uh, we believed, all right? But at the same time, I cannot even begin to tell you the pain and the hurt and the, the horror that I felt when King was assassinated. But it wasn't just me. It was, you know, I can say honestly that throughout the Black Panther Party, we felt rage and pain. Even though we didn't agree necessarily, definitely with the philosophy of of, of so-called, what with, with, with some in the civil rights, so-called civil rights movement would call nonviolence, we call the philosophy of the complicity for genocide, all right, or complicity with genocide. So uh, I, I really want to be clear about that because people. Uh, uh, now, I, let me put it this way. The vomit stream, corporate stream, vomit stream media today still puts forth the narrative that there was this huge dichotomy uh, between Dr. King and Brother Malcolm. I have hanging up in my humble living room a photo of Brother Malcolm uh, hugging Dr. King because who came down to be with Dr. King when he was in that Birmingham jail. Who was there when Dr. King was released? It was Brother Malcolm, okay? But the the vomit stream, corporate stream media, right up to today, the 2016, tries to, you know, divide us on this old plantation. Oh, yeah, we're still on a plantation. Make no mistake about that. 
Okay. <laughs> All right, brother, we're going to go, and I, I love it. We're going to go to a quick break and come back with more of this. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, and we are pleased to have on original Black Panther Larry Pigney as we're discussing Black Panthers, Freedom Fighters, a Radical Hate Group. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Do you want to start your own business for less than $500? Would you like to make $50 to $250 per appointment, which generally takes less than an hour to complete? Join Andre Hatchett's Notary School. He has grown his local mobile notary service to a large nationwide corporation, PriorityNotaryInc.net. For as low as $199.95, you get to learn how to make great money, all while being your own boss, on a full-time or part-time basis. Similar to professions like a plumber, painter, or locksmith, notary appointments will allow you to get paid on the spot and ask about our flexible payment options. This is a low startup, recession-proof business. What more can you ask for? AndresNotarySchool.com. Join us today. We want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. Well, perhaps more than anything else, the Black Panthers stood for the right of black people to defend themselves against white violence, even if it meant carrying weapons and using them in self-defense. But it also brought violent conflict with police. And by 1969, at least 28 Panthers had been killed in shootouts with police. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with my co-host, Christy Gaynell. We're pleased to have in special guest Larry Pickney, an original Black Panther, for today's discussion question. Um, this is a Thursday night recording, so if you do are tuning in on Saturday morning, this is a pre-recorded show if you do tune in on Saturday morning. Uh, but if you are out there listening and want to get in on tonight's discussion, please press 1. If you want to get in and speak with Larry or myself, I'm on tonight's discussion. Please get in. But we just heard an, an, an amazing clip, um, again, speaking to um, what the Black Panthers ultimately was about. And, and if, I'm, if I'm correcting my research, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Brother Larry, uh, but it was actually called the Black Pan- Panther Party for Self-Defense is what I understand the original name to be. And we just heard a clip saying that he wanted to put an end to police brutality, and that was a, a big focus. And it was pretty much what I consider, if you tell me if I'm wrong, but that's what birthed the, the Panther Party due to uh, for people that look around and say, well, police brutality, um, you know, has always went on or it's still the same as it used to be. That's a part of history that, I, in my research, people absolutely do not understand to the degree. Um, at that time, it was very prominent that if you were out at the wrong time or too late, um, you might not return home to the next morning, and that's after a stay in the jail cell with a couple lumps on your head, and it was very commonplace. Uh, for the police, to, they were terrorizing our community out west, throughout the, throughout the country, and mm-hmm. it was this, it was this, it was this need, from what I understand, that 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 birth, the Black Panthers, and we heard on the clip that by 1969, and being targeted for just simply wanting to defend and actually police your own communities, which is what your ultimate goal was when we get into the self reliance talk, that. 
with the target from the police. 28 had been killed just by 1969 within the, the three-year history. That's an amazing number. And ultimately, you were just trying to serve your own community, trying to police your own community. And in most cases, from what I can tell, it was the FBI and the police that quite often came in guns are blazing and not the story that they were even telling in, in a lot of those incidents in which the Panthers were supposedly shooting first and was this radical group that was out to kill um, the cops or the pigs, as you called them or referred to them at that time. But if you could definitely speak to the self-reliance portion of, you know, what you guys were doing and why y'all came into existence. Well, let me say that first of all, my brother and my sister, Christy, uh, that, you know, the, the Black Panther Party, you're absolutely correct. Uh, the Black Panther Party was initially called, or we initially called ourselves the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, all right? Uh, after about two or three years, we decided to drop the self-defense part because it was already well known that, that we believed in self-defense, and we wanted to emphasize uh, community service programs in terms of, uh, uh, of our community But let me get back to the other thing um, I don't know how many people know this But the Black Panther Party One of the things that actually brought the Black Panther Party Into existence Was uh, we wanted a stop sign Excuse me people That's exactly what I said A stop sign in Oakland I happen to have a photo uh, of 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 the stop sign, it's now a traffic light. But on August uh, in, in August of 1967, the Black Panther Party said, "Well, you know what? Uh, hey, wait a minute. You know, we we got kids in this community. We got these fools driving through these to, to this community, going to their you know communities out there in the in the burbs." And they're killing our kids, and I mean literally. They were hitting them, running over them, blah, blah, blah. Okay, now, we said, no, 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 let's begin at the basics. We're not going to have this, all right? Just very basic things. The same time we were saying, and not only that, but all of this brutality that we've had heaped upon us, we're not going to accept this anymore. And we're going to try to show uh, our sisters and brothers, and even beyond uh, the black community, our sisters and brothers, that y'all don't have to accept this. You must not accept this. Now, I don't mean to be blanketing so-called law enforcement, because every person in law enforcement was not a pig. Unfortunately, far too many were. All right? I just got to say it like it is. Every person was not, but far too many were. And, in fact, the system that is to say the entire system, whether it was federal, uh, state, or local, had a very piggish mentality. Let's be honest, all right? And the party had to stand up to that. And and so, uh, I, and I hope I haven't lost uh, your thought or my thought here, brother uh, and sister, but, you know, that's what it was about. We didn't know that we were going to grow into this national and even international organization. Why did that happen? You know, it happened because people related and said, oh, my God, they're standing up. They'd never seen that. They'd never heard of that. It was like one sister said, I must be in heaven. I died and gone to heaven. Okay? Simply because the party was standing up. That's all. 
and we tell everybody, black, white, brown, red, and yellow, stand up, be human. Don't let yourself be bowled over, bulldozed, you know, uh, harassed and intimidated, all right? So let me be clear about that. The Black Panther Party uh, 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 was very, very deep into serving our community, breakfast programs, uh, meals, uh, shoe programs, clothing programs, free clinic programs, senior citizen programs. I mean, the Black Panther Party had over 30 programs nationally to serve the people. One of our slogans, in addition to all power to the people, was what? Serve the people body and soul. Serve the people body and soul. And if anybody doubts that, let me refer them, because don't just take it from Larry Pinkney. There's a book by uh, uh, Professor Alondra Nelson, just came out in the last year and a half or two, called Body and Soul, The Black Panther Party and the Fight Against Medical Discrimination. Body and Soul. All right? By Alondra Nelson. Read it. She wasn't a panther. She was way too young. In fact, I don't even know if Sister Alondra was even born then. But the fact <laughs> is, Dr. Alondra Nelson wrote an incredible book uh, with many resources. Read it for yourself. Don't just take it from me. Don't take it from me. Well, I hope you'll consider what I'm saying. But there's so many books out there. So let me shut up right now, brother, and that you, I'm going to follow your lead. Now you're all right with me, brother. Uh, let me ask this because again, I mean that's so beautiful that you spoke uh, to those programs. And at the top of the hour, I want to get into even how the Black Panther Party was financing some of those programs, uh, as we do a Money and Power fifteen um, every um, every show. And so I definitely want to get into that. And so um, what I wanted to um, ask, well, actually, we have a caller that wants to get in. So let's see what the caller wants to get there. Have a truth seeker on the line, if you will. Um, give us your name and where you're calling us from, and give us your three cents for this this um, this evening's discussion. Greetings, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Well, my name is Sapphire, a- and I'm listening to the show. And uh, you know, I think it's beautiful that you all are building um, and discussing the history of the Black Panther Party. I come from a family. Um, that was laden with members of the Black Panther Party. And when I heard you say, where did they get a lot of the financing from? Now, you know, I I hate to rain on the parade, and that's not my purpose. But I want to say something that's not very popular, that I never hear people say. Please do. Please do. We welcome all opinions. We we welcome all opinions, so you're fine. There were a lot of white people in the Black Panthers. Yeah. And I never hear people talk about that. And I can speak on it because of my uncles and my dad. I remember seeing a lot of white women, and I was confused as a kid. And mm-hmm. I remember, I can remember distinctively a lot of sisters cutting their hair off and, um, you know, there being problems with the white women, but I never hear people speak on that when they speak about the Panther Party. And I could go in more detail, but I want well, you're open to you're absolutely that. Open how to. could the Black Panthers be seen as a radical hate group when there were so many white women 
and white people in the Black Panther organization. That's number one. And number two, they received a lot of their money and a lot of their help from that white community, you know. So, hey, Larry, I know Larry can, can speak to that. So I'll on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Larry, if you will, go ahead and uh, we have staff on the line, so I'll let you uh, speak to this system. Thank you, thank you. First of all, let me put it. Let, 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 let's let. I'm gonna get right down to the nitty gritty. First of all, you're not raining on anybody's parade. You're stating the <laughs> obvious. Black Panther Party, uh, as I keep saying, I keep saying, black, white, brown, red, and yellow. Now the Black Panther Party began in the black community, but we had alliances with uh, organizations including SDF, which was primarily white, including the Peace and Freedom Party, which was and still is primarily white. We had post alliances as well with the American Indian Movement, obviously, which is indigenous native. Close alliances with the Young Lords, Puerto Rican. I can, I can go on and on and on, all right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sapphire, while, while I hear where you're coming from, you dig, uh, when I joined the party, guess where they sent me to first and foremost? They sent me to talk to white folks. Why? Because they say, Larry, the way you talk, I'm going, oh, shucks. The way you talk, they'll relate. They'll understand what our program is. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, because, you know, you, 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 you're not threatening to them. Not that the rest of the party was. It wasn't, really. But so I, I, I think I, I hear both your pride and your pain. You dig? And, well, no, I don't and, have I'm, I don't have any pain. Let me say this: I don't have any pain mm-hmm. nor pride because too young. And then as I got older, and I totally understood, I never subscribed to the movement. But I will say this: the the white women, as far as my dad was concerned, and, and many people that we knew, the white women's infiltration of the movement was the cause of the downfall. So many sisters left because of um, the privy and the privilege that was given to white women and because of the parlaying and the relationships between black men and white women in the movement. And it caused a breach. So I, I don't have any pain, mm-hmm. nor do I have any pride. I'm just simply stating fact, and I'm wondering why this is never addressed. Well, first this, of all, right here. Frankly, frankly, I was trained by sisters in the party, and they were all black. So I, I, this is the first time I have heard anyone say, and I was in the party in both Southern California and in Northern California. Now, uh, in terms of being in the party, I don't know. Well, actually, I do not know of any white people who were actually party members. I know of many white people who were strong supporters of the, of the party. It's a big difference. There were actual See? party members. They were actual well, you, party you, members. You have, you have to yeah. name some names for me, sister. You have to name. But let me let me let me do this. Let me do this. Let me yeah. Let me do this. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah, let me do this real quick. Yeah, yeah. I respect that, sister. If you don't mind, if you will, where where were you located? Um, and you know, because there obviously there were sixty eight cities at, at their zenith. So if you don't mind me asking, you know, again, I, yeah, I definitely don't want you to well, you don't have to refer me, to any me, names I, or anything. But what area were you I, in? I what area were you in? Can I say that? Yeah, please go ahead. Let me say this to you. I'm going to repeat what my dad had a problem with. When we look back over the Panther Party's uh, spokespersons, and this is what my dad said, the women that they propelled forward 
were mulatto and biracial women. And we know that the sisters who went to jail, the sisters who had, you know, to do the footwork were the original black sisters. Now, when we look at it, we see that Asada Shakur is the only one who's on the America's Most Wanted list, but Elaine Brown, do need I go any further? Eldridge's wife, Angela Davis, the other sisters who were biracial, you know, they were cakewalking it. So I, I don't need to go into detail. You can pull it up in your mind. And, and well, no, wait a minute. You do need to go into detail because I knew Kathleen Cleaver, and I know Kathleen Cleaver. I knew Erica Huggins, and I know Kath, uh, er, er, Erica Huggins. So whoa, whoa, whoa. And as far as mm-hmm. the okay, so then you know that she's borrowed. Well, let me, let me, I mean, let me, let me do this. Let me do this. If I will, let me do this. Yeah, please. I'm going to go ahead and bow out and let you all finish. I'm gonna, I'm well, here it is. Here it is, sister. Yeah. Sister, I, I welcome. I welcome all of this. So I do want to understand that. And Larry, if you will, um, like I said, let's 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 keep it at a tone to where we can continue the discussion. And you're just passionate by nature, so I just ask you. Um, you don't have to bow. Um, you you know you did ask that he address it. Um, and 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 it's fair to bring everything to the table. That's what we do with men of dialogue. And so I, I welcome this. You know, I welcome you know what you're bringing to the table. So please understand, all opinions are all welcome. Um, do, I mean, like I said, do you give me, uh, one question I had, if you don't at least mind answering this, um, are you are you are you talking about uh, one of the California offices? Is that, I mean, just to give a general idea. Again, you don't have to give any more information than you want to give. But I was just wondering um, the stuff that you're referring to. And again, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm learning as we as we are doing the show as well. I just wanted to know: was this in the in you know, say there were in 68 cities? Do you mind at least referring to what city you were referring to? If that's is that, if that's okay to ask? I'd like to know that myself. Ma'am, are you still are you still available, or maybe she thought out? Are you sorry? Okay, I didn't know you were okay. talking to me. I'm sorry. Hold yeah, on yeah, I was just yeah, okay. Okay. Cause, uh, yeah, because well, yeah, I was just I was just asking yeah. if you don't want to yeah, I was just going into more detail. Of the work. The gist of the work in the movement was only was, <laughs> everybody knows where that was. Now let me say this. Well, what you all was? just you when you about? all do when you. I'm sorry, is someone speaking while I'm speaking? Well, I, I will say, just to, clar- just to, yeah, yeah, to, clar- yeah, to clarify, if you don't mind, Sarah, if I can clarify, when you say everybody knows, unfortunately, most of my audience, we're learning. You know, we were fortunate enough to have, uh, you know, Larry, um, you know, Pinkney and Original Panther come on. And so I, when you say that, that's a vague term for me, and I'm not, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to understand what your perspective is. So when you say everybody knows, I have no idea what you're well, saying. Well, let, let's, let, let's let the brother, good brother tell us. What state in this North American container did the Panther Party originate from, and where was the gist of the Panther movement in what state? Let, I'm going to let him tell you. Well, yeah, we just kind of already delved there. I mean, I was, I mean, unless I'm wrong, I mean, yeah, we're out of Oakland and they started. In, I mean, that type. Are you talking about just where it started, or, or I mean, is there a reason? I mean, are we trying to avoid where, where area you're referring to, or can you just answer that question, or am I asking something you don't want to answer? I'm just trying to simplify and understand you. So, I, so I, I have an answer. No, I'm okay, here. So, I don't want to answer that. I thought. 
Okay, okay, okay. Well, sister, well, yeah, well, I definitely appreciate the approach. Uh, but again, I, I definitely want to respect, you know, what you're bringing to the table, if you, you know, and that's fine. Um, but thank you for for calling in. I'm going to get into some of the economics and the finances because that's something that I, that I do at this time um, on the show. So uh, thank you for uh, giving us okay. a call. You're welcome. Bye bye. All right. Again, we do welcome all opinions um, to the Middle Dialogue Talk Show, and everybody has their right to one. Uh, we just, you know, got to the point where it was too vague to even, you know, have that discussion. I didn't know what she was referring to when she said everybody knows, um, uh, you know, what she was referring to. And but from your understanding, you don't recall, um, you know, from your dealings, you don't recall, um, um, as she was saying, that maybe white women were put to the forefront. Uh, definitely some, some things may have happened in her situation to where there's definitely some bitterness. And and those things happen in, in in our organizations. I mean, obviously, our yeah, organization yeah, but is... Brother, she, would, she, brother, she was saying her father told her. I'm not talking uh-huh. about her father. I was right. in the party. All right? And, and And news brother Huey P. Newton, as well as other comrades who were rank and file. So if my father didn't have to tell me anything on that level. So right. that bothers me. That bothers me because the audience, I'm, I'm not coming from the standpoint of what I've read. I'm talking uh, from the standpoint of what I have experienced. And so that's, and with all due respect to her and to our wonderful audience, I want to make that clear. I ain't talking about some book or what somebody told me. I'm talking about what I have personally and directly experienced. Hey, absolutely respect that. And if you don't mind, brother, um, for a little bit of this segment, I want to get into these programs. Again, like you said, over 30 programs nationwide that the Black Panthers were able to pull forward. And as I told you when you were sharing that information, now, of course, we always hear about the breakfast program. I knew about the sickle cell testing. Um, and But when I looked at the overall list, I, I was blown away. Um, you know, looking at this list, um, you know, drug, alcohol, abuse awareness program makes sense. Um, but free ambulance program, I mean, just to see to the extent um, that, as you say now to here, started from simply wanting a stop sign. And when you mentioned that, actually, Larry, I actually had rec- I actually recalled that in my own studies in, in the past, that that was kind of mm-hmm. what started the Panther Party, in a sense, was being protective of that, that, that area where some kids had lost their lives. So that's very right. impressive. And so what I wanted to get into when I see, uh, when I look at these different programs, consumer education classes, community facility use, um, just all these different programs that you guys are putting together, and a lot of times we'll say right now, in 2016, um, in Mental Dialogue, we're always talking about economic empowerment and coming together and circulating our dollars. Well, clearly, for you to become this, to be this self-reliant and 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 actually, um, I mean, actually, well over, like you said, over 60 program, over 60 programs nationwide. How did you guys finance this many programs? And from what I understand, at one point, feeding up to 20,000 uh, meals a weekly. So how how did y'all do that? If I could ask well, I'll those you, details, I'll tell you how we did it. I tell you how we did it, my brother. Nickels, dimes, quarters, and dollars. All right. Uh, you know, I was a section leader in the Black Panther Party. All right, and I, and below me was a subsection leader. I won't, I hate that word below. And and then there was a subsection leader, and then of course the entire section consisting of anywhere between fifteen to thirty uh, Panthers. All right. Now. One of the uh, one of our tasks, one of my tasks, one of our tasks was to get out there and sell that Black Panther Party paper. The Black Panther Party paper then 
was uh as memory as uh, as memory serves me correct was twenty five cents was a quarter. Yeah, was a quarter. All right? And those quarters, now remember, we're talking about the late sixties, early seventies. Those quarters counted up. Brothers and sisters, I even youngsters, youngsters. Go sell their little pop bottles or whatever they Hey, hey, yeah, come here, Panther. You a Panther? Come here. Here, I want to give you that. And they put in their little 50 cents or their dollar or whatever. And it was about uh, uh, pride and dignity and uh, uh, on the part of the community. That's why, in a sense, I say that all of our community uh, were Panthers. All of our community, well, not all, obviously. Some were agents. But... But but most of our community were 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 Panthers in the philosophical sense that they supported the struggle. They may not have been members of the party. So we you know we had a minister of of finance who of, or I should say a minister of economics I believe is what we called it at the time, um, and we tried our best to uh, to tally and to basically balance whatever finances we could get nationally to serve back into our our our, our organization, back into the party, to, to support the paper, uh to meaning the the printing and publishing of the Black Panther paper, etc. Uh but also and I thought that that's where this previous caller was coming from, but I guess she wasn't coming from there. We had now, brother, you gotta, uh, you know, I'm old. You gotta, you gotta remind me who was the guy, the the, the actor who played the role, the Godfather. Help me out there. Oh, uh, that was, uh, oh god, um, Dustin. I mean, no, not that. Um, golly, it slipped my mind. Oh god, I, and I love the Godfather okay. too. Um, but, but, yeah, he it comes to he me. I just can't think Godfather. of his name right now because, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely know his name. Um. Um, let's see, Robert De Niro was in it, and God, who was the Godfather, though? Godfather was, um, I can't uh, recall his and, name and right he, now. He's very well known. But the point is, he was a supporter of the Black Panther Party. And I, when I say supporter, I don't mean just verbally. I mean money, baby. Money. Absolutely. You dig? Uh, Leonard Bernstein was a supporter of the Black Panther Party. I'm not talking about just verbally. I'm talking about money, brother. Money. Jane Fonda, a well-known actress of the time, was a supporter. These are all white, white folk, all right, was a supporter of the Black Panther Party. And I ain't talking about just verbally. I'm talking about, you know, we said, well, shoot, put your money where your mouth is, okay? And so, so... Uh, uh, Marlon Brando was his name. Marlon yeah, Marlon Brando, Brando exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, okay, and and you know we have to. That's why I keep saying black, white, brown, red, and yellow. Okay, and uh, so 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 the party essentially, primarily, got our funds from everyday ordinary black folk and white folk. Brown folk, the yellow folk, red folk, but primarily from black folk with their dimes, nickels, quarters, and dollars. When they could put a dollar in, they put it in. All right? I love I it. If, and if I could, if I could, let me, I, I want to get Christy's thoughts on hearing, you know, again, you funding over 60 programs, and, um, you know, she's, 
um, pretty brilliant when it comes to financing some some things as well. And so I just wanted to, you know, get her thoughts. We've, she had dropped off and got her back on, and she came back on. We had to call her, so I just want to kind of let Christy um, give her thoughts when we hear that here it is, the community literally is putting their dimes and nickels together and, in in a sense, funding their own programs through the Black Panther Party. And just wanted to hear your thoughts on that, Christy. Chris, did I get you back on? I know I lost you at one point. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, okay, good. Yeah, but yeah, I just want to get your your thoughts when we hear about literally that they were basically being financed through the people. You know, all power to the people, and that's how the mm-hmm. the, the community was being financed. And he, he gives he brings to light all these different financed, Hollywood uh, stores that was they financed the drug dealers too. They find <laughs> they finance the people so that they can have opportunities to put more of them in jail. What really shocked me though was when he was telling me that they were decimated and that there's so many people who are members of the Black Panther Party that are still in jail. What, 30, 50, 40 years later, serving time for the crimes of back then? Well, if I may, can I comment on that? Yeah, yeah, please. Please. Well, well, better, better, let's do this. Let's go to, I I skipped a break when we had the other caller. So let me do a quick break, and when you come back, you'll be able to answer um, and speak to what Christy just spoke to. All right, you're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Um, we'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Who am I? I spend most of my days looking for something to eat. At night, I make my bed on cold, hard concrete. I no longer have a name. Just a nobody on the corner that nobody wants to touch. As for my dreams, I don't have much. But I still hold on to hope. For a roof over my head, regular meals and clean clothes. Who am I? I am homeless, but I am not hopeless. Blankets of Love Outreach. Every other Sunday in Atlanta, we search parks, overpasses, and alleys for homeless persons and provide them with food, clothes, toiletries, and compassion. If you would like to help, please contact Denise. Emails at Denise at BlanketsOfLove.org or visit our website at www.blanketsoflove.org. That's www.blanketsoflove dot org. Blanks for Love Outreach. Help us make a difference. Of what happened in that apartment, uh, I stand wholeheartedly behind it as absolutely accurate. There is one inconsistency in, well, for example... Uh, I do not intend to quibble about that account. Do you intend to get at the truth? The account that we gave of the events is the truth. State's attorney Hanrahan supported his account with photographs intended to prove the Panthers had fired at the police. We went, took those pictures, and saw they weren't what they appeared to be. The back door, the circles around the the, the bullet holes, they turned out to be nail heads. We went and we saw that they were nail heads because we had possession of the apartment. As far as the door that the Panthers were really supposedly firing into, that turned out to be the bedroom door, and it was the door that the police had made into Swiss cheese with their machine gun bullets. The controversy grew. This blatant act of legitimatized murder strips all credibility from law enforcement. 
In the context of other acts against militant blacks in recent months, it suggests an official policy of systematic repression. The Black Panthers preach every day, hate, kill white, kill the police, kill the pigs, hate, hate, hate. That's all you hear from them. They expect those police officers to walk into that apartment with pea shooters? You've seen the guns that were there. What were they there for? Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think today's discussion question, Black Panthers, Freedom Fighters, or Radical Hate Group. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with my co-host, Christy Gaynell, and we're pleased to have in Larry Pinkney, an original Black Panther. And you just heard an, an amazing cut speaking to, um, unfortunately, the, the, the murder of um, revolutionary Fred Hampton, Black Panther Party member, um, and, and, and talking about how the police handled that situation in which they blamed the Panthers, in a sense, for for um, starting a, a, a firefight. And it was later proven that the police went in basically uh, with the help of the FBI, uh, with the help of an informant, and actually murdered that young brother at the age of 21. And but at the end, you still hear the rhetoric that was used publicly at the time to speak about the Black Panthers. So when we're asking this question, Freedom Fighters or Radical Hate Group, uh, we see a prime example in which uh, one of the Panthers loses their lives, but all the rhetoric at the time and still speaks to those who wonder, um, you know, with, with how do we look at the Black Panthers? And, Christian, you've asked certain questions, uh, you know, this this evening um, in reference to uh, – is what the Black Panthers, you know, in a sense, in the long run, was it good? I know we were just speaking to the finances, and I was a little, you know, actually a little misunderstanding uh, when you say finance the drug dealers too, and I know um, Larry wanted to speak to that, but I wanted to understand and then let Larry speak. I didn't quite understand where you were going. I was a little confused, um, you know, when he was just speaking to, you know, the well over 60 programs that they were able to finance basically with the help of the people. I didn't quite understand, uh, you know, what you were saying, and then again, I'll let Larry speak after that, but I did want to bring that kind of back full circle. Uh, what, maybe, maybe I don't know if I missed something, but what, what did you mean by finance to drug dealers too? I didn't quite understand that. Hello, Christy. Uh, I, I'm here. I think I uh, I must have misunderstood your question. I thought you were saying something about the government was also helping to finance the Black Panthers. Uh, you were talking about the the programs that the Black Panthers were financing, so that was where. Well, okay, was. okay, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, I was talking about the you know, Larry who's speaking to how they were able to finance these well over sixty programs. So I didn't, yeah, okay. So you thought I was okay. You're talking about unfortunately when COINTELPRO made such an effort to basically minimize and basically disenfranchise the Black Panthers to include um, using, unfortunately. Drugs and this this is all public record in which they would go after certain party members and if they figured out that they uh, were privy to uh, some type of drug addiction then the the FBI would play a role in in ensuring that that became uh, you know basically influence that member to in a sense maybe you know have an addiction which actually weakened the party. Um, again, Larry, you know, you can absolutely correct any of the information that I've researched and found and let me know if that, in fact, what I just said is correct. Well, absolutely it's correct, all right? Even digging up to our co-founder, Brother Huey T. Newton, who I knew personally, is correct, okay? We used to call it 
uh, sugar-coated bullet. Mm -hmm. Anything that could be done to bring uh, a party member down, especially a party member who had uh, influence, all right? So you're absolutely correct. Uh, uh, The San Jose Mercury uh, some years ago, I wish I could remember the date exactly, but San Jose, California, Mercury uh, 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 did an extensive story on how the federal government uh, used drugs to destroy political movements, okay? And not just political movements, but the black community and poor communities in general. All right, but I want to get back to something real quick, and then I'll, okay. you know, I'll go wherever you want to go. Because uh, uh, Sister, uh, Sister Christie was saying something about, uh, um, and, and, and I'm, I'm with you, sis, uh, uh, on, uh, I, I said, yeah, there are many uh, uh, Panthers who are still in prison today. We're talking about uh, 25, 35, 40, over 40 years. And one was just released on February the 19th. That's right, 2016. His name is Albert Woodfox. He was a part of the Angola 3, which was a Black Panther uh, uh, chapter, an official chapter of the Black Panther Party in Angola prison in Louisiana. He's only one. Mumia Abu-Jamal is another who is still in prison. But Albert Woodstock spent more time in solitary confinement than any person in the history of the United States, former Black Panther. Okay? So I just wanted to share that with you, sis. I'm, I'm, I'm with the audience. I'm sorry. But with, with the entire audience. So anyway, brother, back to you. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I definitely wanted to honor Albert Woodfox, um, again, for that very reason that you said, um, himself, along with Robert King and, and Herman Wallace, as you said, um, the Angola Three, um, uh, basically um, on the foundation of the Black Panthers, you know, wanted to fight um, just the, the, the bad treatment um, that was going on in the Angola prison system and using um, points from the party. They were able to develop that party, but, again, um, Basically, the prison officials didn't like that. And the sad thing about Mr. Woodfox's case, I also happened to see that brother um, on the video, um, you know, after he got out. Um, it's amazing that he was able to keep his spirit because, again, we're talking about 23 hours in solitary confinement for over 40 years. Um, this is how he lived. Um, but this brother um, actually went in for a five-year sentence. And that you know that's that's the crazy part when we start talking about uh, you know um, and and literally from what I understand and just doing a little more research about him um, you know having even having um, the case overturned a couple times and still not being mm-hmm. let out you know what I mean and he ended up having to plead a no contest to get out this time so the efforts. Right. Um, that you know if if you can still see those type of efforts here forty years fifty years later. And then I can only imagine what it was like when you when the Black Panthers were at their zenith. Um, but um, you know, watching the old videos, uh, you know, watching you know a young brother Fred Hampton, and 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 what I came to understand in my own research, you know, one of the things about that young brother was you know when they when the FBI did do the profile on him, you know, he wasn't susceptible to drugs. You know, what I mean, that young brother was you know was leading in a way that they had never seen, and they was a you know they were who said we can't have another black messiah, and Fred Hampton right. wasn't touchable. 
you know, through mm-hmm. through because he didn't have those vices. And so that young brother was mm-hmm. so dedicated to it, they just took that brother out. And and they that's just, just calling him. it like they assassinated yeah. him blatantly, straight up. Straight up. Calling it like this it is. is this is what we uh, people, everyday, ordinary, black, white, brown, red, and yellow people, we need to understand. I am sick and tired of this uh, ongoing plantation slave mentality that we have uh, because we uh, have allowed ourselves to succumb to and be susceptible to uh, this vomit stream, corporate stream, media's narrative. All right? We need to have our own narrative. And how do we have our own narrative? By understanding our own histories, plural, our histories. And, and you know, not let that be defined by NBC, CBS, PBS, ABC. None of those things are our histories. So, um, or Fox News or CNN or any of those. I, I, I'm trying to be respectful here. So, no, so let me just <laughs> let me let me just say very quickly that uh, you know I believe strongly in what I believed when I joined the Black Panther Party in '67, and what I believe when I worked with Brother Huey uh, in in the late uh, '60s, early '70s. Um, I still believe in all power to the people. I understand that we are up against a demonic, and that's being diplomatic, a demonic, systemic monster. But do we understand that collectively as not only a people, but people in general? Do we understand that? The party was physically decimated, even though... I'm proud to say our legacy lives on, even though they try to distort it and, oh, they do all kinds of things. We know that. But, you know, it's in all of you all. I don't give a damn what your color is. It's in all of you all if you are people of goodwill and you believe in all power to the people. So I just, I don't mean to preach, but I just have to say that. Hey, now, I respect that, brother. What we're going to do is we're going to go to a break, and we're going to talk a little bit about, um, as you said, the, the Panther Party was decimated. And I think, um, unfortunately, some of what happened during that, that, that portion as well has lived on. And whether, you know, I think we've gotten fully away that there was nothing apart about the Panthers that, in a sense, was, would insinuate a hate group. You know, even the sister that called in, um, you know, herself and had her point, you know, even she said that. So I think we can move away from it being considered a hate group. But at the same time, some of the um, the, the the negative aspects of the Panther Party that later later came after, in a sense, it was decimated and some from its own infighting. So we'll get into that when we come back from break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Do you have a friend or family member faced with a criminal case and or immigration proceedings? If so, immediately contact attorney Jessica Stern at Stern Law. She's a champion for justice, lending her experience from years as a public defender. In addition to her traditional criminal defense practice, Jessica Stern has a strong passion to help non-citizens successfully navigate through the criminal process in order to avoid immigration consequences, such as removal, deportation defense, or other forms of immigration relief nationwide. 
She is recognized as one of Atlanta's only crimmigration lawyers, and her guiding principle is, you should not be defined by the worst thing you may have done. For legal counsel with ferocious compassion, in the fight for what's right, contact Stern Law at 404-990-4112 or via the web at sternlawfirm.us. new world and most businesses, small and large, are taking full advantage of online marketing. False. Most businesses fail miserably at online marketing, often spending hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars before settling on a small internet imprint. Avoid this marketing black hole. We recommend you call the experts at Digital Marketing Advisors for a comprehensive online marketing strategy guaranteed to increase the bottom line. Bottom line. With years of online marketing experience for major corporations, the experts at Digital Marketing Advisors can take your business to the next level. For superior results, call 1-855-WEB-WORK. That's 855-932-9675. Mention you heard this ad on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show to receive a discounted rate on your first hour of consultation. You won't be disappointed. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with my co-host, Christy Gaynell. Today's discussion question, Black Panthers, Freedom Fighters, or Radical Hate Group? And we have special guest, Larry Pinkney, an original Black Panther. And before the break, um, we were just discussing, uh, you know, in a sense, the targeting that the Black Panthers experienced for being this group that was willing to stand up, but also support the people and was supported by the people, able to put together well over 60 programs across the country, um, you know, not in addition to the breakfast program that you were most known for. Um, and you and you talked to me about that, um, Larry, um, and I, I saw that for myself. You, you mentioned to me that um, they, who said that the breakfast program was actually your most potent weapon and not the guns that you were carrying, and I was able to find that research um, for myself. Um, but and, and, this, and this is why you became targeted, you know, by Jerry Edgar Hoover, the head of the FBI, who unfortunately ended up calling you guys the preeminent threat to uh, the, the country. And then once you were once he targeted you, and we were talking about before the break that the government would do all types of things, whether it infiltrate and have, if anybody had a vice, they would play to that vice. And unfortunately, we do know the later part of the history we see uh, that you know, unfortunately, some of the prominent members ended up with drug habits, uh, you know, incited. Unfortunately, with by COINTELPRO quite often. But before we get to that point. Um, you know, we, there was a big divide, and I don't know. Did you know? Um, uh, well, I think you did. Yeah, you, uh, you did mention that you you knew Miss Even so, I'm assuming you definitely know Elrich, and he, from what I can, my research uh, brought a, in a sense uh, even more radical element to the Black Panther, and and and, and forced a split. And from and in my research, it was in a sense Elrich Cleaver and um, Hugh P. Newton. In a sense, they're, they're in a sense they're they're back and forth. Uh, was exactly what the FBI needed, and in the, at that point, they stepped mm-hmm. back and felt like you would 
it was the demise because of that split. So can you speak to, in a sense, what was happening during that time? Because from what I understood, elders wanted to go in a very radical, um, you know, well, very radical um, guerrilla warfare was his approach, you know, even to the point, uh, you know, we lost, you know, as y'all call him, little Bobby Hutton, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an actual attack on the police, at least how I see the, uh, how I've read the history, whereas in most cases, the police, even though they put it out that the Panthers were quite often shooting first, which was not the case, this was a situation in which Elders Cleaver did actually attack and attempt to ambush some police and got shot and had to leave the country, but I'll let you speak to that even more so than I can. Well, hmm, that's deep, brother. Um, <laughs> you are absolutely correct in your assessment with respect to brothers Huey and Eldridge. Okay? Um, I'm not going to pretend or be shy. I loved Huey. I knew him, and I'll love him until the day I die. Does that mean Huey was correct about everything? Absolutely not. Okay? Eldridge in his own right, was a genius, (laughs) as was Huey, okay? Look, I I, want to pay both brothers respect, okay? But both brothers succumbed to the COINTELPRO, that is counter-FBI, counter-intelligence program uh, tactic, play on... Not only the vices, but the ego. I mean, let's get real now, mm-hmm. okay? Of 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 individuals. That's what they did. I mean, people died in the party as a result of what they did. When I say they, I'm not talking about Eldridge and Cleaver. I'm talking about the government. What they did, the Cointelpro operation. People, many people died internally, were killed as a result of that. Now. I remember sitting in front of the TV in the early 70s watching the so-called debate between Eldridge, who was then in uh, Algeria, as, my, as, mm-hmm. as I recall, uh, yeah. and Huey, who was in Oakland, all right? Mm-hmm. And I remember crying, literally crying, tears streaming down my face, because I'm saying, oh, my God, brothers, how can you go for this? Okay, and I don't think either one of the brothers really wanted to go for it. In fact, I know they didn't. Okay, Mm -hmm. but they had received letters from the FBI. Both of them, uh, those letters uh, 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 were purported to be from supporters of Huey or supporters of Eldridge, but they were actually sent from the FBI, the government, Mm -hmm. okay? So they had set this all up, and this led not only to uh, the, the 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 horror that took place after that internally within the party, but this ultimately led to the decimation of the party. Okay, and I have to be honest about that. I can't chuck and die. That's that's what happened. I wish I could sit here and tell you a Pollyanna fairy tale, but I can't. The reality is I don't think we 
actually understood in those days what a devilish system we were up against. I don't think we got it. I mean, we knew on one hand, brutalizing us, they were exploiting us, but I don't think at that time we truly understand that there were no stops to what they would do. And by the way, let me say this. For the listening audience, this is 2016, and I still don't think that there are any stops, no end to what, to what this system will do to destroy any kind of real, viable people's movement, be it black, white, brown, red, or yellow. Okay? So, anyway, I, I just, I'll shut up. I just wanted to answer that as best I could. No, no, absolutely. Christy, um, anything for Mary? I think it's interesting that you say that there's no stops to what they'll do and that people aren't aware. And I think it's great that we had this opportunity to have you on and articulate that for us because so many people are just completely asleep and unaware of what's going on. One of the things that Montoya and I talk about on this show somewhat frequently is how the prison system is still, even under the Constitution, a system of slavery, and that by, you know, criminalizing and inciting all of this violence and all of this negative media attention, they were basically essentially able to enslave an entire organization of people by putting them in the prison system and keeping them there under false claims for all of these years and it's just disgusting like to hear about it i mean i knew that you know a lot of um the party you know were arrested and and stuff at that time but it never occurred to me that they had not been released that they were still in there and some of the things that you know have gone on in an effort to kind of keep them quiet or to prevent them from from acting and that's essentially with the the man that you said was just released February 19th who served all of this time in solitary confinement in essence they were trying to break his spirit so that if or when he did get out he did not create or start back up you know the same kind of um move towards regenerating the organization because the the biggest fear is that they will get people that people will collectively get together and and act. They know if it's just a small group, there's nothing that they can do. But in a larger group, there's more power. And as long as they can keep the people who have the ability to incite larger groups at bay, then they feel a little bit safer. So it's just been very enlightening, I think, having you on, and I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you. No, go ahead, Larry. Go ahead, please. No, absolutely. Go ahead, Larry. I just wanted to say I appreciate you, Sister Christy, and of course, brother. You know, you know, I appreciate you. And and let me tell you something, because I want everybody listening to understand we need to be proud of Brother Albert. You know, Albert Woodfox. They were not no, able to break his spirit. They tried. Okay, they, try. they tried. You know, people talk about Nelson Mandela. Yeah, but I'm talking about Alfred Woodcock, all right? 
And we all need to understand that all of us are Albert Woodboxes, sisters and brothers alike. So I'm just so proud and and happy, and, and I'm sad at the same time because all those years that that brother lost, and I know from personal experience, but you know what? That's we go back to what we believe in, all power to the people. Hey, and with that said, if I could even bring the light, and you mentioned that brother's name, uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal, um, you know, brother, um, you know, that brother, um, if, if any of you, uh, another brilliant brother, if you could just, he was able to, you know, write so many books almost secretly from prison over the years, and that's another genius that can speak to the very thing that we're discussing right now, uh, you know, when mm-hmm. we speak to, you know, this idea of mass incarceration and, and, and how it is ultimately being used to, to break down our community as well. So, you know, whether it was targeting the Panthers who were actually creating a movement of the people, uh, obviously were targeted to the extent that now uh, you're not even remembered properly in history, and that's our job, and that's what we're attempting to do uh, tonight. You know, but what's the ongoing aspect is that this prison system still exists, and Mumia Abu Jamal speaks to it brilliantly, constantly, um, in the most brilliant way, and highly recommend that um, you know brothers, brothers and sisters out there follow up and read his writings as well. Whereas you know, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate hearing that brother speaking from you know, unfortunately at the time you know from death row. Uh, and and you know his, you know he's not getting out, but they you know they've decided not to execute their brother, which is a, you know a blessing I guess in itself. Um, but you know with that, with that said, yeah. Um, 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 we're gonna matter of fact, let's just go to a quick break, and we're gonna come back from that break and go to our closing thoughts. Uh, you know from everybody this evening, uh, Larry, I can't thank you you know enough for um for being with us um today. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Do you want to start your own business for less than $500? Would you like to make $50 to $250 per appointment, which generally takes less than an hour to complete? Join Andre Hatchett's Notary School. He has grown his local mobile notary service to a large nationwide corporation, PriorityNotaryInc.net. For as low as $199.95, you get to learn how to make great money, all while being your own boss, on a full-time or part-time basis. Similar to professions like a plumber, painter, or locksmith, notary appointments will allow you to get paid on the spot and ask about our flexible payment options. This is a low startup, recession-proof business. What more can you ask for? AndresNotarySchool.com. Join us today. For details to become a sponsor of Mental Dialogue, visit Facebook at Mental Dialogue or call Montoya Smith at 404-604-9477. That's 404-604-9477. Mental Dialogue, where all I ask is that you think, that you think, that you think.
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with my co-host, Christy Gay Nail. Today's discussion question, Black Panthers, Freedom Fighters, a radical hate group, along with special guest Larry Pinkney, an original Black Panther. And we've had a, a, an amazing show, in my opinion, a lot of information uh, passing down that history. And, and before the break, and this is, you know, not to, you know, definitely want to close on a sour note, but just to, you know, making sure that we are speaking to it, you know, rightfully. Uh, you know, the, the Panthers pretty much stayed in existence from, from what I understand from 1966 to up until about 1982, um, for, for what I understand. But at their zenith, they had 68, there were 68 cities. Um, and th- you know, thousands and thousands of members. Um, but again, after the COINTELPRO um, did what they did, um, infiltrating well, whether it was um, hooked, you know, in a sense, getting certain members hooked on their vices, drugs, and things of that nature, uh, we find if you look into the individual histories of a Eldridge Cleaver and a Hugh P. Newton, um, you know, unfortunately spent both having spent some periods of time addicted to drugs. But as you mentioned, and this, like I said, I want to close with this, so we'll just kind of make sure we say this, um, they play to the egos, and unfortunately, um, eventually, um, even even after coming out of some prison stints, because, again, from what I understand, a lot of the leadership was locked up at the same time, and that's when you saw the biggest downfall of the party, when a, when a big part of the original lim- membership was in jail at the same time, from what I understood. But even in keeping it together and coming out of jail, the egos had been such and the vices were such that now – you 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 saw uh, unfortunately for example he would be be Newton um, constantly being brought up on murder charges uh, you know from time to time and again not to end on a sour note uh, but they definitely became a shell of what they were and where they started and but as you said the the the, the realizing the depths that this government would go through to decimate uh, the Black Panther Party um, is is kind of only right that it would serve up and in that way. And I, and again, I don't want to, uh, I just, I'm just only highlighting that part to say, if you, if you're out there and want to do your research on the party, you know, we're not trying to paint it as all good, but the, but the premise in which they were founded, there's way more good than there is bad. And there are things that we can look at and take around and look at right now and make a difference in our own community, if nothing more than the self-reliance that the Black Panther spoke to. And, Larry, that's what you kind of said to me, you know, yesterday. You know, y'all didn't want the, the community to be receiving a handout from the government. And that's something that we right. hear today in today's political rhetoric. If people understand that the Black Panther Party was, in fact, a political party that Speech preach self-reliance more than anything, and if you could speak with that, I think that is a, an amazing and proper ending um, to how we look at this Black Panther Party when we take our own look at history, because we have to do that today. Absolutely, my brother, and I don't think we're ending on a sour note at all. Not at all. I think we're ending on a realistic note and a note, a note, if you will, of of, of determination to change this rotten, filthy uh, system across the board for all of our people, black, white, brown, red, and yellow. Now, with respect to what you were just saying, I think that we have to understand that the power uh, uh, must rest with us. It must rest with us, the people, all of the people. And and I, I'm optimistic 
I'm cynical. I'm what I call, I call myself a cynical optimist. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I know that's somewhat of an oxymoron, but I, I do, and 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 I believe that that we should learn from history, learn from it, learn from the signposts. That's what we all of us must do, brothers and sisters. That's what we must do. Okay, we're not. I'm not trying to put out something about. You know, this is not about Pollyanna. Want to go see Pollyanna? Go see Walt Disney. Okay, but this is not about Pollyanna. This is about the real life, daily struggle of all of us. So I don't feel at all down. I think, and I want to cue uh, my brother and and my sister for having me on. I I think we are trying to present a realistic picture, photo, snapshot, if you will, of of the struggle, the ongoing struggle. I say the struggle because the struggle is ongoing. So I don't know. Did I answer your question? You asked me something else, though, didn't you? No, 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 you're fine. You're fine. No, no, you're absolutely fine. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, Christy, go ahead and um, jump in with some final thoughts for yourself. Um, this you know this evening or whatever we got a few more minutes so we we don't have to just necessarily end but I just wanted to make sure that I definitely if you even had another question for Larry I wanted to make because we got a little time so I want to make sure um, you know the first half we didn't get, let you speak up enough so I definitely wanted to see if you had a question or anything else you wanted to say Christy I didn't have a question per se but I did have a statement one of the things that I often tell my kids especially my son in studying history is to keep in mind that history is written by the victor and it's his story and it's written to portray whatever truth serves his best interest. So when you're reading about history, keep in mind the source of the information that you're reading um, because it, it doesn't always portray an accurate perspective. It portrays the perspective of the person, typically the person who won whatever the battle was and what they want the reader to take away from that experience. And so it's often it's often written in a way that glorifies the writer as opposed to telling the whole truth. And I think with the Black Panther story, that's what we see a lot of is um, – What's taught in our schools is is written by the federal government who was able to decimate and overthrow them and then reported it the way they wanted it to be portrayed so that they didn't have another occurrence of having to fight this battle. But we also, being conscious, free-thinking people, know that just because something is written in a certain way doesn't mean it necessarily reflects the whole truth. So I just want to encourage, like, everybody who has an interest in this, um, in in the Black Panther movement or in taking a personal interest in protecting yourself and power to the people and your personal right to do your research and own. Don't just read well, by but read what was written by us as well so that you can get a more of what happened. 
Hey, amazing points, Christy. Um, Larry, if I can come back to you, um, if you will, if there's any information that you want to get out to our audience, um, any contact or um, whatever thing that you have going on, if there's anything you would like to, you know, just let our audience know about that you're doing or think they should know about, um, please, um, you know, take this time to, uh, to, to share that, that information as well. Well, very quickly, for any who may be interested in wanting to follow what I write or the programs I do, et cetera, go to uh, Black Activists, just exactly what it sounds, Black Activists, uh, org. WG stands for Writers Guild. So Black Activists, org. And when you get on that page, you can go over to the right side and click on Larry Thingy Archives, and you'll see... Uh, what I've been up to from 1967 to 2016. I also want to thank uh, Sister Christy and you, my brother Montoya. Thank you so much. And most of all, I want to thank our listening audience. Thank you so much. I hope I can come back on again and we can talk more. Uh, Absolutely. Today, uh, not, this year is the 50th anniversary of the founding of the Black Panther Party, which was founded in October of 1966. So thank you so much. Stay strong and all power to the people. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, um, Brother Pini. Um This has been a, a complete pleasure, pleasure uh, for myself and I'm pretty sure Christy as well. Uh, we just actually look like we got somebody tuning in at the last five minutes, man. And I just want to say that um, – I can't thank you enough. And yes, you do. You definitely have an open door policy. Um, and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, from time to time, you can, you know, f- find a Saturday morning to just tune in, and we'll get your thoughts on other things that are going out there. And if I could ask you this real quick, because we got just a little, a few, few minutes before I give my closing thoughts. Uh, how did you feel about? Um, the, uh, did you did you catch the uh, in a sense the tribute that um, Beyonce played to you? Just if I could just ask that question to an to an actual original Panther. Uh, how did you feel about Beyonce's tribute uh, to you to to you guys? Um, or you know, here. Super Bowl, so Super Bowl 50. Just a quick thought on that if I could. Well, the only thing I can say is I hope people will go beyond the tribute, okay, because I want them to remember people like uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, who in 1968, okay, who were both Olympians in Mexico mm-hmm. City in 1968, put everything on the line and stood up and raised their fists. Uh, so this is certainly not the beginning uh, and certainly not the end either. So, again, all I can say is the struggle continues, and Swahili, Aluto Santinua, Latina Christian de Vimbilashaka, the struggle continues, and we're all in it together, black, white, brown, red, and yellow. And I end again by thanking you, thanking Christy, and thanking the audience and saying all power to the people. Thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate you very much, uh, Brother Pinkney. Um, if I could give my closing thoughts, um, again, this has been eye-opening, um, a, a lot of information out there. If you're out there listening, if you're not encouraged to go find out the truth on your own about the Black Panther Party, um, don't don't get caught up in the comparisons that we see out here in social media and, and sound bites of, you know, the comparing them to some type of hate group because you've heard for these last two hours they've been anything but that. Um, you know, is it all peaches and cream? No, it is not. Their history, and that is typically the, the truth in the history. And you look at any group, there's going to be good and bad, but there's, again, in my opinion, plenty of more good 
than bad. Um, I, I actually encourage um, the listeners out there to go look up Amumia Abdul-Jamal. Um, brothers spent a lot of years on death row, former Black Panther, um, but a, a book that I always highly recommend when, when um, people are saying what type of book should we be reading. Uh, I'm a big believer. Uh, I'm a, 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 a matter of fact, Brother Pinkney talked about that the Panthers called themselves Malcolmites. So one of the books that changed my life was the autobiography of Malcolm X. Uh, I've read Elder Cleaver's Soul on Ice. I recommend that as well. But another book that I consider every bit the equal to Malcolm's autobiography is Asada Shakur's autobiography. And so if you have a young sister out there or a young brother, make sure that they pick up that book, um, you know, by that former Panther. So if I could kind of close with, you know, this is an opportunity. Beyonce's performance, as Brother Pinkney said, was only the start, and hopefully it encourages all of you and each of you to ensure that we are telling um, not only the Black Panthers' history but all of our history and making sure that we're supplementing our children's history because they're not receiving it in school. Again, please Find out your history. Know your history. It is the only thing that gives us the foundation to continue with whatever it is that we should be moving forward with as a community, the thing that we speak to every Saturday morning. Again, this was a special show on a Thursday night. If you are listening on this Saturday morning, this is a pre-recorded show, if I will say that. I would like to thank all my sponsors, uh, Andre's Hatchet Notary School. Uh, we've picked up a new sponsor, the Digital Marketing Advisors. If you have a small business out there and need to get your online marketing up to par, highly recommend that you reach out to those and always thankful to Executive Cuts. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and all I ask is that you think.